chapter 7. Very short passage of scripture, and yet it is the underlying principle of all the scripture. It's found in verse number 7 of Proverbs chapter number 1. The fear of the Lord, everyone say the fear of the Lord, is the beginning of knowledge. But fools despise wisdom and instruction. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. I'm going to speak for a few moments tonight on this subject, the lady in the concourse. The lady in the concourse. Lord, help us tonight. Give us strength and help us absorb like a sponge your word in the house of God tonight. Help us to apply it to our life. Not only coming in one ear and going out the other, but help us absorb it into the very core of who we are. I thank you and praise you, and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. The fear of the Lord is the prerequisite of every right attitude. Now, something needs to be stated about what fear means because when we approach that term, we think it is something that is centered around being afraid. And this is not the biblical understanding, although certainly there should be a fear of God in terms of being afraid of his power, his ability. He so far supersedes who we are. His judgments are right. His righteousness is right. And when we put our accolades and our abilities and our talents and we put it on the balance of how great God is we come up way 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 short and so there should be a sense of being fearful of God in that regard the Old Testament he was so power and so magnanimous that the people could not even associate and there had to be an intermediary there was a prophet there was a man of God there was somebody that created the space and was the liaison between a God that was so terrible and so powerful and so awesome that there was somebody that had to mediate that power. In the New Testament, we know that God tears down the wall of separation and his spirit comes into us like a holy what? Like a holy fire, a consuming fire. And that represents his power and his ability and, and it resides within us. And so there should be a, an awesome respect of how great God is. But the actual Hebrew word here in Proverbs chapter 1 and verse 7 means to fear or it means to be reverent. Be reverent. To respect the things of God. Do you respect what we felt just a few moments ago in this place? The anointing of God comes in the house of God. I want to stand in awe of that and reverence that and recognize there is no money that could buy that. And there are people that are looking for that move and that anointing. Amen. And God has given to us the ability to experience that in the house of God tonight. Praise God. Have you been a participant in this service tonight? Hallelujah. Or have you been someone that has been in the middle of what God is doing? I don't want to stand on the outside, but I want to be on the inside. I want to be on the inside of what God is doing. And so to have a respect and a fear of God is the beginning. It's the underlying principle of everything. If you don't respect God, then the word of God is going to be of none effect to you. If you don't respect and value the anointing of God, then an anointing that moves through this place is not going to touch you. 
But if there is a fear of the Lord, a reverence, a respect, then you understand and recognize that that is the underlying structure and principle of everything. And in the Proverbs, there are many, many voices. There is much advice. There's instruction. There's wise sayings. Many of them are very uh, instructional on a daily basis to us. They relate to everyday life. And there is a general theme that can be found in the book of Proverbs. And the approach is to speak to individuals on this road called life. And every single one of us are on this road called life and their stages in every area of life. And so it doesn't matter what stage you are in, you need the hand of God and the work of God in your life. For young people, it's one set of circumstances. For married couples that are forming families, it's another set of circumstances. For people that are middle-aged, there's another set of circumstances. For people that are in their elderly years, there's another set of circumstances. Every single stage of life, we all need the anointing and presence of God to walk with us and to direct us. And Proverbs speaks specifically to those things of life. And the wise man is trying to impart instruction and understanding. And so there is an approach there. There's a direction there. Proverbs chapter 1 and verse number 1 through 6. The Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction. To perceive the words of understanding. To receive the instruction of wisdom, justice, judgment, equity. These are all important things. To give subtlety to the simple, to the young man, knowledge and dis discretion. A wise man will hear and will increase learning, and a man of understanding shall attain unto wise counsels. To understand a proverb and the interpretation, the words of the wise and their dark sayings. And so all of this is trying to help us and direct us and bring wisdom and instruction to us. Many times when I'm praying with individuals, the first thing that I pray is, God, in the fear of the Lord, give to us wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. And the only way that's going to happen is if we respect who you are and the direction that you are wanting to take us. I'll tell you this, I respect where God is wanting to take me. Sometimes I'm confused even in my own self, but I am not confused about what God is wanting to do with my life. And I'm going to put my understanding and my confidence in him. Not in, not in other people, not in the naysayers, not, not, in, not in all of that. But God, I'm going to trust you to be the potter that has power over the clay that can mold me and shape me. And so these writings that the wise man puts together, they're designed purposely to prick the reader into thinking about the management of affairs. The management of affairs, management of character, management of sensitivity to people, management of sensitivity to relationships. The wise man is saying in life, you are going to have to manage things. And so manage them in a way that stems from the fear of God and a reverence to God. And God will direct you. It doesn't mean that you will always get it right. You're going to have situations that you look back and you say, I know what he was talking about there. And somehow I passed the warning sign or the caution sign. But thank God now I'm back on track. And I'm going to have an ear that is sensitive to the heart of God and the will of God. I want to be sensitive to his will. And the voice, because there are a lot of voices, I want to listen keenly and be attuned to the voice of God. 
And so how we manage our affairs and the things that we do. There are a lot of voices that comes forth in these chapters. Proverbs chapter 1 and verse number 8. Hear the instruction of thy father, forsake not the law of thy mother, for they will be an ornament of grace unto thy head and chains about thy neck. Meaning there are things that will adorn who I am and what I am. So these, these instructions are universal. This is not given to any stage. It's not given to any uh, gender. It, it, it is a, an instruction that pertains to everybody. And many of them are figures that arise before us. And they may be personified as a he or a she, but they represent a personification of something. And in this writing in the Proverbs, there is in the concourse, the, the busiest place, a concourse in ancient times and even in modern times, a general concourse is where everybody is coming together. Everybody's flooding together. There's a lot of activity as a matter of fact, in ancient times, the chief concourse was at the gates of the city because everybody had to go in and out, and it was prime real estate, and so there would be a lot of stuff at the gates. They were selling stuff. There was judgments being made. A lot of times, civil cases and stuff like that would happen at the gates of the city. Lot was respected because he sat at the gate of the city, and so there were a lot of, in those chief concourse Areas, there were a lot of voices and a lot of activity that was taking place and transpired. It was the busiest place. Nowadays, in the city of Bakersfield, certainly with all the road construction that's going on, <clears throat> if you need your patience tested, you just drive around here for just a few days. You, you'll have need to come to the house of God to be refilled with the Holy Ghost because you might lose it somewhere out there on the roads. <laughs> and so... This was a busy place. Nowadays, there's not a, a chief concourse place where everybody gathers in. Uh, nowadays, it's very, very fascinating. The world of social media has become the chief concourse place where people gather together and talk about things and, and, and news is made, and information is shared. And so you have a, a completely different dynamic than in ancient times. But the fact of the matter is in the chief concourse in the busiest place, there are a lot of voices. There's a fascinating study and book that I read just recently about the transformation in the religious world where authority is given to individuals who have a greater following. That just blows my mind. Why? Because the chief concourse to me is in this place, this sanctuary. And these people, we come together in a busy place, in a spiritual place. I cannot imagine giving my allegiance to somebody that has a lot of followers somewhere that I don't even know about, but I'm following him on social media and giving to him the respect instead of somebody that is there. Thank you, Brother Bryce Cosme. And so people are giving over just because there's, you know, a thousand followers. Well, what he has to say must be really, really important. It could be importantly wrong. And then when you've got difficulties and situations in your life, that guy over there is not going to be around. I'm thankful for a ministry in this church, a ministry in this church. And so the world has changed, but there's still many, many voices. And in Proverbs chapter number 8, there is a personification that is a she. Doth not wisdom cry and understanding put forth her voice? She stands in the top of high places 
by the way in the places of the paths she cries at the gates the entry of the cities at the coming in at the doors unto you O men I call and my voice is to the sons of man oh you simple understand wisdom and you fools be of an understanding heart and so she's there she's in the concourse and she's calling out to passerbys as they go by. And she says to them about speaking her excellent things. She speaks right things. She speaks life. She does not speak death, but she speaks life. And what she speaks is better than gold and silver and rubies. It's better than any wealth that can be accumulated. She gives counsel. She gives wisdom. And she provides true treasures and so she says I have some qualifications and in case you you wondered and in case I should put my confidence in you what are your qualifications if you're going to provide all of these things and in verse number 22 of Proverbs 8 this is what this personification this figure that arises in the chief concourse the lady in the concourse she says the Lord possessed me in the beginning of his way before his works of old, I was set up from everlasting, from the beginning, wherever the earth was. When there were no depths, I was brought forth. When there were no fountains abounding with water, before the mountains were settled, before the hills was I brought forth. While as yet he had not made the earth, nor the fields, nor the highest part of the dust of the world. When he prepared the heavens, I was there. When he set a compass upon the face of the depth, when he established the clouds above and when he strengthened the fountains of the deep, when he gave to the sea his decree that the waters should not pass his commandment, when he appointed the foundations of the earth, then I was by him as one brought up with him and I was daily his delight, rejoicing always before him, rejoicing in the habitable part of his earth and my delights were with the sons of men." These are my qualifications. She wouldn't announce the lady in the concourse would announce these things to the passerbys that come by. I was with God. Does that mean that she was a person? No, it's a personification. Wisdom was with God when he created everything. Wisdom was there. Who is she? She's a concept much like the mercy of God. Mercy came running. Like a prisoner set free. Mercy's running. It's a personification. It's descriptive of an attribute of God. That mercy comes running when you need mercy. Mercy's going to come running to you. And wisdom is a personification when you need wisdom. Wisdom's going to come to you. And her qualifications are, I was there with God in the beginning. I'm telling you, if there's anything we should be pursuing, it is wisdom. The lady in the concourse. The one that was with God in all of his creative power. And ability. She's a charming friend that is trying to be heard over other voices. She was there when creation was formed. Proverbs chapter 1 and verse 20. Wisdom crieth without. She uttereth her voice in the streets. She crieth in the chief place of concourse. It's the lady in the concourse. In the openings of the gates in the city, she uttereth her words, saying, How long, you simple ones, will you love simplicity? And the scorners delight in their scorning, and fools hate knowledge. 
turn you at my reproof. Behold, I will pour out my spirit unto you. I will make known my words unto you. Obviously, wisdom is obviously directed and connected to the pouring out of the Holy Ghost. Wisdom said, I was in the, this, this is powerful because you talk about oneness theology. We're not saying that wisdom was a person, but wisdom said, I'm going to pour out my spirit, which means an attribute of God. The creator created all things and I was with him and I'm going to pour out my spirit. And on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Ghost was poured out. And when you receive the Holy Ghost, you receive the wisdom of God and the knowledge of God and the understanding of God and the lady in the concourse starts calling out to you and responding to you. The outpouring of the Holy Ghost is connected to this personification and this figure that is described in Proverbs. This has direct implications for us today. We need to listen to the voice of the Holy Ghost. Let me say that again. We need to listen to the voice of the Holy Ghost. There's people listening to a lot of voices. There's some voices you need to shut out, put some earplugs, do something, abstain from, turn off, turn away, and start saying, I want to tune my ear to hear what thus saith the Lord to my life because I recognize there are a lot of voices that are destructive and that will destroy but the Holy Ghost elevates. The Holy Ghost encourages. The Holy Ghost strengthens. The Holy Ghost comforts. And the Holy Ghost empowers. What do you need? You need a power. How am I going to get victory if I've got the Holy Ghost in my life, operating in my life? out on us wisdom that guides and directs that gives us a razor sharp discernment of the times that gives to us an ear to hear what the spirit says it's amazing parents can understand and recognize what is happening in the cry of a child that's a cry that is immediate and I need to go take care of it. That's a frustrated cry. That's a he's hungry cry. Moms, you know what I'm talking about. I remember that. I've moved on from kids nowadays. I know what my dog is barking outside. Can you imagine that? I do. Uh, his bark means he's cornered a possum or a cat out there. We better get out quickly. Or a bark that is, oh, that's just a quick bark. He's chasing a bird that's flying over the backyard. Or a bark that says somebody's walking by the fence. Or a bark that is like he just off in the head today. I don't know what he's barking at because there's nothing out there that's confusing. There's a sensitivity to that. And everybody that's a parent understands and knows that or every pet owner can make a determination of what that is. And, and wisdom, is, it works in the same way. She says, because I have called and you refused, I have stretched out my hand and no man regarded, but you have said it not my counsel and would none of my reproof. I will laugh at your calamity, I will mock when your fear cometh. 
because you, you, you tuned me out and you didn't want to listen. Then shall they call upon me, but I will not answer. They shall seek me early, but they shall not find me. For that they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. They would none of my counsel. They despised all my reproof. Therefore, they shall eat the fruit of their own way and shall be filled with their own devices. For the turning away of the simple shall slay them and the prosperity of fools shall destroy them. But whoso hearkeneth unto me shall dwell safely and shall be quiet from fear of evil. There is a lady in the concourse that is speaking to every single one of us today. It's an ancient reference, but it is a modern spiritual perspective that we must place in our life. We need to be people of wisdom and knowledge. We live in a very interesting world. And what are you going to do if you ignore the lady in the concourse? She's there, there's a lot of voices, but she's there, she's there in the concourse. Who else is around in that place, in that busy place? There's other voices in that place. There's voices of folly. Folly. What is folly? Folly is a personification of the things that we do that we look back on and we say, that was the dumbest thing. That was the, if this is a bad word in your house, pardon me, forgive me, the stupidest thing. We used to tell the kids, don't say stupid, because everything was turning out to be stupid, so we had to stop that quickly. <laughs> you're stupid, you're stupid, you're stupid. No, this is not appropriate. This is not good. Okay, don't say stupid. There, there are things that we will look back and we wish, we wish we could take back. <laughs> we, we said something, did something. We, we, we went right past the caution sign. The lady in the concourse was shouting out at us, but we went right past go and we didn't even collect the paycheck. We just went right by it. And in the process of that, we ended up with the consequences of the decisions that we made and we found we were following and listening to another personification or another figure, and we wish we could go back and change that. There are some things you are not going to be able to change. They are settled, they're done, and if you've done them, you can't change them. But I'm here to tell you there is still a lady in the concourse. And so if you've gone awry or you went astray, you got to get back to what really matters and the voice you really need to be listening to. God. Nobody's going to give you a license for the dumb things that you do. There are going to be some consequences that are associated and attached to those things. But what are you going to do with that? And that's the message in Proverbs. He's talking about the management of your affairs, the management of your life. There's some things that I think about that just make me cringeworthy. Shouldn't have said that. Shouldn't have done that. What was I thinking? I kicked the skunk because I wanted to be influential among a bunch of 10-year-olds. I did. A bunch of 10-years-olds were around. They were older kids. I, I was eight. Skunk ran out. I thought it would be cool to kick the skunk. That would be really cool. Nobody else would do that. Man, I'm telling you what, there is a price to pay when you kick a stunk. There are some consequences 
for days. And some of the things that we do, it's going to take a while to overcome those things. Your name means something. Be very, very careful. You do something dumb, it may take a while to get your name back because of the things that you've done and the consequences that are associated to those things because you are following after folly and the wrong voice. And so there may be some time there, but don't give up, don't give in. Recognize everybody in the management of their affairs have had difficulties and had problems, and God's going to help you overcome, get through, go beyond... testimony in the house of God tonight, Jessica, paying some consequences. See, we live in a religious world nowadays where you just, you, you do whatever you want and the word of God doesn't mean anything and it's, it's worldly sorrow, but no godly sorrow. <laughs> I sat today to get a haircut and the gal was cutting my hair, knows my background, where I'm from, I pastor church. And so we were discussing some things, and she said, it must be very, very difficult to help people and not judge. What does that mean? What that means is just coddle people and kind of, you know, it's going to be all right, it's no big deal, and, and, and not talk about some righteous judgments and consequences that occur. When Jesus said, judge not lest ye be not judged, he was not saying, oh, just don't judge anybody for anything. What he was saying, it was in context with the Pharisees. He was saying to the Pharisees, before you judge somebody, you get your house in order. How are you going to be effective if your house is not in order, but yet you're trying to tell everybody else what they should or shouldn't do when you, you need to get your house in order. You need to get your circumstance in order so that you can help somebody understand that there is a price to pay here, but we can get beyond this. So there's other voices in the concourse. The figure of folly, chapter 1, verse 11. If they say, come with us, let us lay wait for blood, let us lurk privily for the innocent without cause. Listen to this. Let us swallow them up alive as the grave and whole as those that go down into the pit. We shall find all precious substance. We shall fill our houses with spoil. Cast in thy lot among us. Let us all have one purse. My son, walk not thou in the way with them. Refrain thy foot from their path. For their feet run to evil and make haste to shed blood. Surely in vain the net is spread in the sight of any bird. It's like a trap. Folly is trying to ensnare you. As they lay wait for their own blood, they lurk privily for their own lives. So are the ways of everyone that is greedy of gain, which taketh away the life of the owners thereof. There is a, there is a real voice there. There's a voice of folly, and there's many applications here. The world markets this mentality to anyone that will listen robber and thieves. You look in the scripture and you'll see individuals that ca caught up in this voice, personification of folly. Achan is a great example. You're going to the promised land. The walls of Jericho have fallen. And what do you take from Jericho? You take some Babylonish garments 
and some bars of gold that you can't even use out here in the middle of the desert when we're going to a promised land. How insane is that, Achan? And because of that, there was a price to pay in Achan's household and his family. It stopped the forward movement of the children of Israel as he got caught up listening to the wrong voices. Another one that's a great example is Gehazi. Gehazi, the servant of Elisha, Naaman comes, the Assyrian captain. He has leprosy. He comes to Elisha because he, he, he's heard that Elisha is able to do great things. Elisha tells him, go wash in the river Jordan. He gets upset and offended by that. A little servant girl says, what would it hurt? Might as well go ahead and try it. So he humbles himself, and he does, and he's healed of his leprosy, and he wants to give Elisha something because he recognizes the value of his healing. Elisha says, I don't, I don't need anything from you. That's not necessary. I'm not going to take your goods. Amen. Give praise to God. And so Naaman leaves, and Gehazi, the servant, you, you stop and think about this. is amazing. You stop and think about this. You have Elijah and Elisha, and Elisha is the understudy and he becomes a powerful prophet. You have Elisha and Gehazi. Gehazi could somehow and possibly become the generational gap from Elisha to the next generation. But in a moment of folly, he goes around behind Elisha and he comes back to Naaman and catches him on the road and said, there's been a change of heart. We do need some things. And he brings all this stuff and he tries to hide it and he tries to cover it and he tries to manipulate it. And the minute he walks in the door, Elisha says, there's trouble in the camp, Gehazi. You've been listening to the wrong voices. Folly, violence, robbery, stabbing, shootings. Um, amazing, amazing case of folly is in the New Testament when Simon the sorcerer sees the power of the Holy Ghost and he wants to buy it. And Peter says, you are full of rebellion and all kinds perish you with your money you can't buy the power of the Holy Ghost folly Ananias and Sapphira folly we've given everything to God they're struck dead in that New, New Testament church as an example of individuals not listening to the voice of God the seven sons of Sceva is a great example of folly we adjure you by Jesus to come out they try to cast evil spirits out of people And the evil spirit responds and says, Paul I know, and Jesus I know, but who are you? And the evil spirit leaped on them, chased them in tatters, folly. The lady in the concourse, there is a lady speaking in the concourse which represents the anointing and the presence of God. There's also other voices. And we have to, in the management of our affairs, live our life and manage our life in such a way that the spirit and anointing of God is leading us and not the voice of folly. And there's many, many testimonies that could be told in this building here tonight. Individuals that followed that path and had to pay the consequences and it was a long road to get back. Ah, so the concourse is filled with other characters other than wisdom, folly is there. In Proverbs chapter 6 and verse number 20, the 
wise man said, My son, keep the father's commandment and forsake not the law of thy mother. Bind them continually upon thine heart and tie them about thy neck. When thou goest, it shall lead thee. When thou sleepest, it shall keep thee. And when you awakest, it shall talk of thee. For the commandment is a lamp, and the law is light, and reproofs of instruction are the way of life. To keep thee from the evil woman, from the flattery of the tongue of a strange woman. Lust not after her beauty in thine heart, neither let her take thee with her eyelids. For by means of a whorish woman, a man is brought to a piece of bread. And the adulteress will hunt for the precious life. Can a man take fire in his bosom and his clothes not be burned? Can one go upon hot coals and his feet not be burned? And so this figure that is also in the chief concourse or the place of busyness is the strange woman that is a personification of immorality. Man, if there was ever a time to listen to the lady in the concourse, and when I say that, I'm talking about the lady that's wisdom. It is in our day and age. You need to be very, very careful what you're doing on social media and media in general because there is a personification, a strange lady, a, a lady of immorality, a man. It, it, it's The gender's not specific, okay? It's mentioned here, the wise man was a wise man. He said a strange woman, but it could be a strange man. And nowadays, there's so many classifications. You better guard yourself. You better live a godly life. You better manage the boundaries. She's referred to as the strange woman, but it represents immorality. If the lady in the concourse wisdom is a representative of the spirit of God. Folly is a representation of things and mistakes and voices that lead us astray. A strange woman is a personification of immorality. What does she do? Proverbs chapter 2 verse 16. To deliver thee from the strange woman, even from the stranger which flattereth with her words, which forsaketh the guide of her youth, forgetteth the covenant of her God, for her house inclineth unto death and her paths unto the dead. None that go unto her return again, neither take they hold of the paths of life. She's an outsider. She's placed herself outside the realm of the laws of God. She's cast off a fear of God. She's personified as a woman, but consideration should be made that she is simply a character of immorality. Proverbs chapter 5 and verse 3, For the lips of a strange woman drop as an honeycomb, and her mouth is smoother than oil. There is a voice in the concourse. What's a good example of this? Samson is a great example of a call of God on his life, an opportunity to do great things in his life. But the one thing that he could never get away from was his own lust toward immorality. And we read the story and we come upon Samson in Delilah and we get to the conclusion of the story. And the rest of us, as we read it, we are screaming, don't, as he tells her, seven green withs that have never been dried. That's where my power is. New ropes that have never been used. Weave my hair into seven locks and pin it. If you shave my head with a razor. And he wakes up and he realizes 
that that trajectory of immorality has led him completely astray. And he finds himself grinding at the mill, a laughingstock among all the Philistines. This was the man. Don't live in the world of was. Live in the world of is. Everybody hear me say that? Don't live in the world of was. Live in the world of is. You live in the world of was, you're going to live in a world of the past, and you're never going to get out from underneath that. But if you live in the world of is, now is the day of salvation. Now is the time. I'm here in the house. I'm here right now. I'm worshiping God right now. I'm seeking God right now. I'm living in the moment. Not living in the past. When you listen to the wrong voices, there are going to be some consequences that are connected to that. Sometimes, many times, years down the road, people will say stuff. You got to make a determination in yourself. I made a mistake. Everybody makes a mistake. My mistake may seem bigger than somebody else's, but I can tell you right now, if we had a testimony service in here, there's some folks that have made some huge mistakes, some gargantuan mistakes. They're here in the house of God. Would you really, really make a night watchman out of two guys that have done all that stuff in their past? Absolutely. Why? Because the Holy Ghost is operating in their life, and we're not living in the was. We're living in the is. I'll tell you what. I'll say this right now emphatically with the gavel. That's one of the things that's so difficult to overcome because no matter where you go, that's always, there's a record, there's a rap sheet, there's all that stinking stuff. You try to get a job, boom, that hits you in the face. Everything hits you in the face. But I'm telling you what's exciting is when you step into the sanctuary, <laughs> everything is erased because we are all brothers and sisters in Christ. And we're all about seeing people make it. We're all about seeing revival. We're all about seeing redemption. So if you're sitting here tonight and you've done some dumb stuff, don't think you're going to get a free pass. Won't happen. Ten years down the road, somebody will just love because they're not following the Holy Ghost. They will love to dredge that up and say something dumb that could, that could cause you to stumble. you got to rest in God and, and God that has called you. You're not going to get a free pass from some of those things. But you got to buckle up, buttercup, and say you know what I'm going to I'm not going anywhere I am I am my heart is right the Bible's full of these kind of people you stop and think about Moses he killed a man he murdered a man and yet he's coming back he's going to lead the people out of Egypt Paul all this persecution you're going to be a missionary David, look at the stuff that you have done. Adultery, murder, everything. You, you have manipulated stuff, tried to control stuff, and you still want to be king? He was a man after God's own heart. Why? Because ultimately he recognized no matter what it takes, I must be saved. I've got to listen to the right voice. I've got to follow the right voice. You know what's fascinating about the lady in the concourse is today's society flips the script and the personification that they're following is the strange woman instead of wisdom. And 
that's what you get in Hollywood, that's what you get in music, that's what you get in culture. But I'll tell you something, if you listen and your ear is sensitive enough, you can still hear the lady in the concourse. As a matter of fact, I heard her speaking tonight as the anointing of God moved in this place. She's still up on the walls calling to people that are passing by. The world promotes the figure of immorality and the fool and disdains the lady in the concourse named Wisdom. I'm here to tell you tonight the Holy Ghost will not lead you astray because the Holy Ghost is the spirit of truth. The Holy Ghost is the comforter. The Holy Ghost is the power of influence that is fuel to the kingdom of God. Praise God. You can't just sit there full of the Holy Ghost and do nothing. But when you're full of the Holy Ghost, it becomes the fuel that says, you know what? I, I can rise above things. I can go through things. I can leap over a wall because the Bible says in Romans chapter 14 and verse 17, the kingdom of God is not meat and drink. It's not in these things that are in the world, but it is righteousness and it is peace and it is joy in what? In the Holy Ghost, the lady in the concourse that is calling to the passerbys. Will you tune your ear and will you listen? We stand together in this place tonight. A lot of voices, man. There are a lot of things that float around. What are you gonna put your confidence in? What are you gonna put your trust in? I had a conversation today working with some people about how well there's this and that, and you can grab stuff from this Eastern religion, and it's all I'll tell you what I'm listening to. I'm not listening to all that. I'm listening to the anointing of God. Man, when you let the Holy Ghost really impact you, it takes you into another world completely. It gives you the power and the ability to overcome. Praise God. Amen. Just for a moment, let's just, let's just ask God to help us and to renew us in the Holy Ghost and to listen for the lady in the concourse. You, you may be in situations in life tonight and you're standing right here. There's going to be a lot of voices that call to you, but the voice you need to listen to is the lady in the concourse. Wisdom that imparts instruction to you and direction to you. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I worship you and praise you and thank you for your anointing and your ability in a world that personifies the wrong things and champions the wrong things and glorifies the wrong things. The only Lamb of God to be directed by the Word of God so that there's a proper fear and respect of God. I'll do whatever you need me to do, God, because I want to be directed not by worldly sorrow, but godly sorrow. I want to be saved. Praise God. Praise God. The ministry is here tonight. If you have a need in your body, you have something that you need us to pray.